0: Hi, welcome to Tech Leverage. This is Kyle Heath. Today's episode, I'm looking outside through my garage window, and I see the sun peeking through, rain coming down, and there's some clouds in the sky. Today's episode, we're gonna be talking about the cloud. What is the cloud? That's been a term that's been bandied around in IT for 10 years plus now, I would say. It's a bit of a buzzword. Lots of people have heard the phrase, the cloud. You can get this service in the cloud, that service in the cloud. What does it really mean? What is the cloud and how can we utilize this technology to make our lives and our businesses better? So what do we start with? Well, I want some people, if they can do, if you're old enough to remember at my age, if you're over 40, if you're old enough to cast your mind back to the 1970s. And we used to in technology have something called mainframes then. They used to be used by green screens and many of us will remember those devices. They were very often manufactured by a company called Wise and they connected to big mainframes manufactured by IBM who still go today. Those green screens were called dumb terminals and there was no computing power done on those screens at all. All they did was connect centrally to the big mainframe computer. Everything was in the mainframe in the middle and nothing was displayed on those, those units. They were dumb terminals. Well, what followed through the 1980s from those screens was the growth of what's called the personal computer, which is something that most of us will remember using over the last 20 years in our working lives. IBM produced the hardware once again, and this time Microsoft came into the fore because they provided the software that ran on top of these machines. And that was of course, Windows. Bill Gates had a dream that every person would have a PC in their home. And he got that dream come true. He brought computing to the masses. But there was a problem with this; it was disconnected. I.e., we had individual machines in our homes or in our works spaces. But they weren't really connected to each other. We might have connected one or two computers to each other in an office, but if we wanted to share information between our home and our office or two offices, we had to use floppy disks, CDs, and then as time went on, memory sticks, USB sticks, hard drives. Networks were only found inside companies. And they were for internal use only. It was just not really possible to share information easily between physical locations. So we've moved from this environment of the green screen of the dumb terminal connecting to this mainframe computer through to this... So that was almost, you might call it centralized. That was a centralized setup of computing. Then it moved to this decentralized setup of computing, which was the beige boxes with the monitors on them, with the floppy disks and the CDs. This is the nineteen late nineteen nineties through to probably around about two thousand and five, two thousand and six, predominantly. And it was difficult for us to share data in those days. We had to use physical objects to move data between locations. Well, what had started to happen during the early noughties was the internet had started to take off. It actually been around really, you know, you could have picked up an AOL CD and installed it from anywhere time from sort of 1994 onwards. Most businesses in the UK didn't really take the internet on until after the year 2000. I had a few customers in the late 90s who did have an internet connection, whether they used a 56K modem, or some of them who'd invested put an ISDN card, if you remember ISDN, and they could connect to the internet on one computer in an office, that would always be the one internet computer and that'd be the one they'd go to for their email and things like that. Well, that started to take off a little bit during the early noughties and more people got the internet in their businesses and they shared it amongst more than one computer. Then we started to see the first advent of broadband running over copper wires so we could actually have what was considered high-speed internet connection. You know, and that was probably two to five meg as it was back then. And I'll come into another episode where I talk about what that means in reality. But some of you cast your mind back two to five meg was a number that was bandied around in the early noughties. And around that time, the Internet was allowing us to share video, and bits of audio and images in a faster way than we've been able to do before. If you tried to look at video or audio on the Internet prior to about 2000, it was a pretty painful experience. Images literally loaded line by line across the screen and video was almost unheard of. You, you couldn't kind of really get that at home. There were a few sites that did things with streaming with some technology to enable video, but it took a long, long time for you to be able to watch anything. It was painful. It wasn't a pleasant experience. So around 2005, sites like MySpace and Facebook had started to spring up. And this was this time in which We were starting to see a balance of computers in homes and offices and computers connected to the Internet sort of balancing out with each other. So it was possible to share information online with each other. It was possible to share a file via email, usually as an email attachment. Uh, Many of us cut our teeth on sending email attachments around this period of time. And without a doubt, it was a real benefit. There's no doubt about it, you're working on a Word document or a spreadsheet and you could suddenly just click an attachment, send that to another person in a different business and they could access that file within a few minutes. That was a real boon, that hadn't been possible before and it really started to open people's eyes to the what could happen if we could share data more easily. So what had really happened is that computing was now starting to go back to a centralized model again because everybody was getting connected with everybody else. <laughs> There's a centralization is going to start to occur again because a bit like the green screens in the 70s and 80s now, we've all got a computer, but they're all connected to the other computers via this internet. It's not that we're going to the internet for all of our data. Mostly that was still inside our businesses. We had servers or computers in our businesses, but we were able to share data with each other over the internet. That was something that was new. So that means we're starting to move back towards a centralized way of computing. Well, this really had a transformational effect in the 29th of June, 2007. That's the day that Steve Jobs revealed the iPhone. That was, what, 11 years ago. And that changed everything. That single device changed how the world uses images, data, video, communication, It was a real game changer. And this was what, Jobs was a legend for this. For all his personality traits and all of the side of Steve that's perhaps not as perfect as some would want it to be, an innovator and a pioneer that man was. And he released the iPhone on that 29th of June, 2007, and showed the world how they could use phones to do what they did from computers and desks, but using phones instead. He revealed the concept and the idea of an app on a phone. So a phone was more than just a device for having mobile phone calls and voice calls or text messages. A phone was going to become the computer in your hand. And his vision was, why would you lug around a big, heavy computer with you when you carry a small light device that connects using technology to the data source? So Steve had the vision of the cloud before it had really picked up that name at that point in time. Now, I might want to interject here, and many of you might be asking the question, why is it called a cloud, irrespective of any of this? Why is it called the cloud? Well, the reason it's kind of called the cloud is, if any of you have ever done a diagram and used the tool to do a diagram, and Microsoft have got a tool called Visio for that, and you can do office plans and floor plans and flow charts and diagrams and things. When you go to use the icon to show the internet, it's a cloud that's where it came from the internet icon is a cloud and so the phrase the cloud was born so you would point your things your buildings would point on your diagram to the cloud and the cloud represent the connectivity over the internet over the ether between organizations and that's where the cloud idea came from so steve jobs has this vision of us having this iphone that's connected together steve's vision is why are we clouting around with big heavy computers when the power of computing should be done in centralized locations, and we should connect to it using technology that's light and easy to travel around in our pockets. So he's onto something here in two thousand and seven with this whole idea of, of of centralizing again how our computing works. And really, these this is the tipping point in which we start to see technology then driving towards. Centralization again, and away from localization. And what I mean by that is we're gonna see less and less data as time builds from 2011 onwards, being on the device that we carry and more data being stored remotely where we access it in the cloud. What does the cloud mean in real terms? Well, in real terms, the clouds are great big, huge buildings full of computers. You can type that into Google and have a look and have a look on YouTube. You can just type in Google data centers, Microsoft data centers, Amazon data centers, and there's loads of YouTube videos come up. They'll take you around their data centers and show you what they're like. Great big, huge, massive buildings, full of rack after rack after rack of computers, air conditioned, dehumidified, maintained, secured. I mean, you can't get into these data centers without going through about six or seven layers of security, including biometric level security. So these places are very, very secure buildings. They're managed. They've got always on electricity, always on air conditioning. They're designed to run computers in so that you don't have to. And that's all that really the cloud is. It's just a great big room full of computers. And when I say a great big room, I mean something really rather Enormous. Do go and have a look at the videos to see what they are. So where does that take us to now? Where are we at the moment? Well, let's go and have a look now and see where we are at this point in time with the cloud. We're in a world now pretty much where everything's online. Hardly anything stored on our devices anymore. We take our mobile phones, for example. That's pretty much what most of us use. In fact, 51% of all internet traffic now is on mobile devices, our phones in our hands. When we save our photos onto our phones, they're uploaded to the cloud automatically by whichever service that we choose to use, whether we've got something, an Android or an iPhone, it'll offer us that option to automatically upload them to our accounts and then delete them from our phone. So our phone just becomes a transitory object to access this data. The biggest players in the world today, Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Gmail, YouTube, Instagram, these are all owned by the big providers and they all run out of big data centers the cloud. Once again, everything in our life connects to massively powerful computers that sends the information back to us where and when we want it. And there's some real reason for this because we wanna leverage the power of computing to make our lives better. And it's not possible for us as individuals, whether in our business or our home, to own the world's most powerful computer. It's just realistically not possible for us financially to do it, or logistically for us to do it, even if we've got the money. Logistically, to have the computing power that Google can provide to you, to try and replicate that yourself privately, is just almost a mind-bogglingly difficult task to do. It's almost impossible to compete And the question might be, why do we want to even compete? What's the purpose when somebody else will provide it for us? And really, that's what we're seeing with the whole cloud. That's what the whole cloud concept is, that these big organizations that really are predominantly Google, Microsoft, and Amazon, and to some element, Facebook as well, have decided to invest billions and billions of dollars in creating global data centers, that link together, that share data, so that any one of them can be missing from due to a, you know, an act of God, a force majeure, as they call it, when you know whether that be a, a, you know, a hurricane, or God forbid, a terrorist attack, or something of that nature, to the point where you, as the user, don't have to worry about it. They take care of the hardware for you. All you do is buy a subscription to a service and access it which is kind of a way that we've consumed lots of things in our lives. So it shouldn't really come as much of a surprise to us. It's how we consumed our mobile phones for many years. We didn't have a problem with the fact that the communications were being made over a network globally to make phone calls with each other. That was never of an issue to us. None of us were thinking we should have two tin cans and a bit of string and we should make phone calls internally between ourselves. And that's how we should do things. We were all perfectly happy to do that with our mobile phones. We've been doing it with email since the year dot of the internet. And that's often forgotten by people. Where was email stored? Well, it was in the cloud, wasn't it? When we had email in the computer in Outlook Express in 1997, or you had it in Thunderbird, or you had it in AOL, what was AOL? But a provider in a building with a lot of computers in it that you connected to. So really, there's no difference there. It's just a perception of these big players in the market and what make us think it's different to what it is. But actually, lots and lots of computing has been centralized since the advent of the internet. So really, there's no kind of difference to that side of things. What it has enabled us to do is to utilize the power of a data center's worth of computing as an individual. And that's something you've never been able to do before. You couldn't do that in the late 90s and the early noughties when you bought a server and you put it in your building for your business. You had only a finite amount of computing power in that server. You had whatever that server could do and whatever software you bought for that computer to do it with, and you couldn't get any more out of it. But now the scope of what you can do is unlimited. When you connect to Google servers, you can use the power that Google has available globally, to your benefit as an individual through your mobile phone, that was almost, well, it's just, it wasn't almost, it was impossible, it was impossible to do before because you were limited to the power of whatever device it was that you could personally afford to own. And now that limitation has been removed. Can you imagine what power that gives you as an individual? I mean, let's take right now where we're at. I pick up my mobile phone And I want to do what I'm doing right now, which is to do a podcast, which I can do. I can pick up my mobile phone. I can use the same app that I'm recording this podcast into now. I can record into my mobile phone. I can put a backing track underneath it, upload it online and add it as an episode to the podcast for tech leverage. And I can do that wherever I am, as long as I've got connectivity. And I can't think of too many places bar certain bits of rural Shropshire that don't have connectivity, and certainly there aren't an inconvenience for me to get to, to have connectivity. So I've got it at home, I've got 4G, I can have it in the office. It's not exactly difficult for me to get in front of a connection. So really there is no point in time in which I'm not connected. It's almost a, a non-existence now to say that we're not online and not be connected. That, that's not a reality any longer. Let's go back a little bit in time and go back to 1975. Gordon Moore, founder of Intel, that's the world's largest silicon chip manufacturer. He made a proposition that the power of computing would double every two years. It was called Moore's law and it's proved to be pretty much accurate over the years and the march of computing power has gone gone so dramatically then it literally has doubled every two years. So if you imagine a PC that was on a desk, a computer on a desk like you might see in your office, and that represents 1975. Now, try and picture a desk with 1,048,576 PCs on it. Now, that's one hell of a desk, you've got to admit. That's going to be a pretty strong uh, desk And I would say quite a marvelous feat of engineering to find a desk that could support that weight. But if we can imagine that that was the case, that's how much computing power has doubled in that time since 1975. Well, most of us cannot have a desk or an office with 1,048,576 PCs on it. That's not realistically, hence this is why the cloud is so important because what we're really talking about is utilizing and leveraging computing power that is so immense, we can't store it or look after it or afford to buy it. So the power of computing that any one person can have on their own or in their own building or in their own company is microscopic compared to the power that's available if you've got access to the unlimited space that the data center providers in the cloud have got. And that's why when you leverage the power that these enormous warehouse buildings have got full of computers, you can use them via your mobile phone, via your laptop, via your desktop computer, and do something very, very special and very different that you could not do if you're trying to do this yourself. You just can't do it. And when I talk to people in business on this one, and I'll I'll spin this one back at at business at this point in time, this is where... Mm -hmm things get a little bit more difficult for people who in businesses because they have been used to over the last 20 years buying their own equipment for their businesses, buying a server or a number of servers, which were boxes, hardware boxes, which they then owned over a period of time and got a return on investment on. And that's been a common way to buy computing power in your company for the last 20 years. But that is all changing now. This is all completely transforming because you cannot get the same power and leverage out of a set of computers that you buy for yourself that you can compared with the power of the cloud technology that you can buy from Google and Microsoft and Amazon. And this is where the difference I think is gonna come into businesses that's really gonna set apart those that go ahead with technology in the future and make success of themselves and those that struggle and find it more difficult. And Those that find it more difficult are gonna be the ones that cling on to this idea of buying and owning the hardware in the way that we used to do. It's happened in the automotive industry. I'm a fan of classic Mercedes from the 80s and 90s. And those cars were bought generally by people who were going to own them for 30 years. I've bought several old Mercedes who are owned by sergeant majors and colonels in the military who bought them and owned them for 30 years and really sold those cars when they, when they were you know 70 years old. They intended to own them for life. That was the value in that vehicle. Now, when we buy a car, we barely buy a car anymore. We will lease a car on a finance agreement for a period of time, and then we'll swap it out for another car, and so on and so forth. We don't really go out and buy a brand new car for 40,000 pounds in cash and buy it and expect it to last us 30 years. Why? Well, one, Technology-wise, it's going to be dead as a dodo in 30 years, isn't it? It's that car is going... I mean, a car, if you get a car now that's five years old, the technology looks pretty rotten. If you get a car that's 15 years old from the early noughties, the technology inside the car is almost hilariously bad. So what's a car going to be like in 30 years? It's going to be an antique Those days have gone, and this is because technology is on a linear curve, and it is getting steeper and steeper and steeper. As it advances, it starts slowly, and it gets steeper and steeper as time goes on. Uh, A linear curve, if you're trying to imagine that, is a graph with an X and Y axis, where we start in the bottom left-hand corner, and we start going up a very, very gradual slope. And as we get further to the right, that curve starts to increase and shorten it and starts to get taller and taller. So it goes slowly across the bottom of the graph and then it starts to curve and then it starts to go up and up and up as it accelerates. And the further we get into time, the steeper the graph gets because technology advances as we get faster and faster. And so that is what is happening right now at this point in time. So what you've got to think about is, well, What's it gonna be like in a couple of years time? Well, the next thing that's gonna happen that's gonna have a big effect on cloud technology is the advent of what's called 5G. We've had 3G on our phones, we have had 4G on our phones, and we're about to have what's called 5G, and the G just stands for generation, third generation, fourth generation, fifth generation. Uh, First and second generations, by the way, were the ability to make voice calls and send text messages. Third generation enabled us to send data in a fashion Fourth generation has enabled us to realistically watch video and stream video and have video calls over phones. And fifth generation is going to give us the speed of connectivity on any device anywhere that makes doing what we want to do transparent. And by that, I mean, there will be enough bandwidth and enough speed that any device we want to will be connected to the Internet and will be able to report statistics and information to us. We've not been able to do that before. With 4G, we've had it on our phone devices and we've been able to look at our phones and, and maybe watch a YouTube video and those kind of things. And that's worked very well with our emails and things like that. What we're gonna do with 5G is find that we're gonna be able to wear smart clothing. I'm gonna be able to have a jacket with a sensor in it that's going to, to measure maybe my body temperature. It might take my pulse, it might do other things for me that are health-wise, and it will report those statistics into the cloud, which I can then access through my phone to see what my healthy stats are at. Uh, maybe if I'm an elderly person at home and I live on my own, I'm going to be able to have a balance sensor in my shoes that are going to tell me how my balance is and if I'm losing my balance and then report that health statistic in to a care worker or to a supervisor or to a family member. So we're going to be able to use technology like that to help us in any situation. It's gonna be a completely different world. It's not just gonna be our clothes that are gonna be done, all of our devices are going to report in. So we're gonna have lawnmowers that are gonna give us statistics on usage. We're gonna have ability for our cars to report all of its data usage at all time. It's gonna be reporting back into the manufacturer with statistics about engine wear and usage and things like that. And you're going to get information fed back to you in real time in your vehicles. We're going to be able to use internet connection on all devices that we travel on, trains, airplanes, cars, everything will be connected together and will be giving us feedback and information. This is what 5G is going to bring and 5G is due to go launch in the UK in 2020. So less than two years. I can't stress enough what a massive impact 5G is going to have on the world. Because you're going to be able to access any information that you want to access from any device, anywhere you are, literally anywhere you are at super high speeds of speeds that you haven't that you don't have in your offices and your homes at the moment, 10 times the speeds you've got in your offices with wired connections are going to be available on wireless connections. So why would you invest in a load of equipment in your building for your business any longer? Why would you bother to do that? Because you're going to be able to pick up any type of device that you like, whether it be a Windows laptop, a mobile phone, a Mac, uh, MacBook Pro, a Linux computer, a Chromebook, whatever the device is that Amazon and Facebook want to sell, whatever the computer device is, you're going to be able to go to it and you're just going to be able to connect to the internet wherever you are and get access to your data. So why would you have your data in your building and make it more difficult for you to access it than it is to get that data from a big organisation who makes it accessible globally at any speed for a fixed price per month. And that's the difference. Why would you do that? And I truly believe that when 5G kicks in, it's gonna be the big game changer because those businesses and people that adopt that technology and realize what freedoms it gives them and what abilities that it gives them in their business are gonna be the ones that thrive and the ones that are going to find the opportunity. And those that sit there in the past are gonna find things a little bit more difficult. The cloud's where everything is happening. When you connect to YouTube and watch YouTube videos online, all the hard work on doing that video is done in the Google data centers for you and they stream to your phone and your phone gives you the small portion of it and you watch it. So everything is about transporting these ones and year zeros to the devices that we're carrying and, w- and will be soon wearing, will be wearing these intelligent devices this is a distribution method. That's This is where we're at now. It's a distribution of data that's gonna be important to us. And the distribution method and channel is being controlled by these big players who are able to distribute this over this network, this 5G network that we're going to have worldwide. We're gonna have this interconnected planet where we can go anywhere and do anything at any time. And that is gonna be transformational because you're gonna have this whole scenario where people can work, from wherever location they are. And this concept of having to have an office to meet up is going to reduce down. Now, I'm not going to get into that whole working from an office or not working from an office in in this podcast. I'm going to save that for another podcast. And in fact, this one's even running through to the point in which I think I'm already into a part two -er on this sort of podcast here, because I've said to myself, I don't want to make these podcasts too long I mean I'm running I'm running in now to probably coming into about 24 minutes so I think I'm going to shut this one down and call it into a part two I'm going to part two this podcast off and carry on with what is cloud and where the clouds going to next so this first part part one's given us a brief history of the cloud taking us through the realities of what it actually is in terms of data centers, where we're gonna be in the future, some of the benefits that it can bring to us. And what I wanna put into part two now is put together a part two that's gonna talk to you about what the future of cloud is and how that you can start to utilize some of these benefits yourself in ways that you didn't think was possible and why you should be doing these things. So I'm going to shut down this podcast now, close this one out on a part one. Thank you for listening. Uh, It's been great to talk to you. This has been Carl Heath on Tech Leverage. We're going to finish up part one of What is the Cloud? And then we're going to get the next podcast going to be part two, What is the Cloud? So thanks very much for listening, guys. And I'll speak to you and see you all later on.